Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an efficiency? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. I'd like to welcome all of you from Ground Zero Radio with Clyde Lewis coming over to The Secret Teachings tonight or this morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening around the world. Or perhaps you're listening in the free archive at thesecretteachings.info or you are a subscriber to the show and you get the show without advertisements. Welcome to The Secret Teachings. If you missed last night's show, it is in the archives and I thought it was a fantastic show. I thought we really covered contemporary events through an extremely occult and esoteric lens looking at the passion of the Christ and the setup that is the passion of the president this week of course that show doesn't do me any favors with uh, people who already feel that I'm an extreme right winger I promise you I'm not an extreme right winger and uh, I promise you I'm not an extreme left winger either but I think it's pretty clear, it should be pretty clear to those of you, to those of us who are able to sincerely think for ourselves and not allow our religious identifications, political identifications, or whatever our identity might be to dictate how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about certain issues. And it's, you know, even within those identities, if you have a slightly different opinion, a slightly different perspective, you are ostracized on virtually every uh, every side of the spectrum. I was actually reading a uh, I was reading a constitutional law book last year, and I came across this other author of this this book I wanted to get about constitutional law. And it was by a, an author who's a, a constitutional law professor at a major university. And he's very left-wing. Uh, he was a big Obama supporter. But even though he's very left-wing, he said, constitutionally speaking, and he lost a lot of support for this and people now attack him, he said, constitutionally speaking, the subject of abortion is not a federal issue. It's a state issue, even though he's a very left-leaning individual. But based on constitutional law, what is the law of the land? It's a state issue. It doesn't matter his background. It doesn't matter what his beliefs are otherwise. It doesn't matter who he voted for. He's been condemned and criticized as a result of his, his constitutionally driven you know, legal views, uh, which are facts uh, that are sometimes up for interpretation. That's what a lot of law is, but uh, it is a state issue, period, regardless of what you think of abortion, or any issue for that matter. And it's one thing when you have a different scene of opinion and you can have a discussion and you can debate it, right? You can discuss things with your friends, your family. Maybe you can discuss things professionally. To have a discussion, to, to agree, to disagree, to agree, to disagree, whatever the case might be. It's another thing entirely when you are bullied, when you are cast aside, when you are villainized for having your own viewpoint, for having your own opinions, having your own thoughts, and this is something that, once again, it shouldn't be difficult to notice, to recognize, to see that one political party is more rabid than the other political party. And I think there's shifts of this over time. But at the moment, it is the modern Democratic Party that is so rabid and so vile 
and so willing to villainize and bully anybody who even thinks that they might have, or even explain something with different words than whatever the, 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 the statement of the week or the hashtag of the day is. Uh, this is exactly what uh, Tricia Cotham, a Democratic legislator, for, a legislator from North Carolina, just said. Uh, and she said because the situation is so bad in the Democratic Party, she is switching to the Republican Party. We've actually seen several uh, Democrats either switch to be Republicans or uh, in, in, in some capacity they've, they've discussed it and, and, and talked about it. Um, our senator here in Arizona, she became an independent I'm sure a lot of this is very, it's political too. It has to do with, you know, your political base and whether you think you can get reelected. But the reasons that are given are, well, the modern Democrats have really lost their way. The Democratic Party left me is what people tend to say. Um, Even Senator uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, the same kind of a thing. Uh, Because he's he's a traditional liberal and he's more of a moderate, he gets cast out by his own party. And although I disagree with a lot of the things that, uh, Senator Simina, Cinema, I can't pronounce, pronounce her name, uh, the Senator of Arizona, what she does and what she says, Cinema, um, she, uh, you know, she says, I just, the, the, it's basically the party. I just, y- you can't work within this party. Uh, and there's a lot of Democrats who have said the same thing. They've either become moderates or they've become independents or they've become Republicans. And then you also have Republicans masquerading around uh, who are really Democrats like, um, well, a guy up there in Utah, and uh, you know Mitt Romney, what a scumbag he is. But the, the point is, Tricia Cotham is a Democrat from North Carolina. She just said that it's just, if you don't do what you, you're told by the party, um, they bully you, they cast you aside, etc. I've actually got the audio of it. I want to play it for you. And I want you to think, I mean, this is, for as much as these people scream about democracy, th- this is the very opposite of democracy. Not allowing even people within your own party to speak or to have an opinion, to have free thought, free judgment, to offer actual solutions. And she actually goes on to say in this clip, you'll hear it, it's about 45 seconds long. They just want to sit in like committees or uh, think tanks or groups or sessions all day. They don't actually want to solve any problems. And that's kind of like the old joke of like the, the perpetual college student liberal. They're just in college forever, racking up all this debt. And they think they're really, really smart. This is what the politicians do as well. They just sit in committee all day. They don't actually do anything. They don't actually offer solutions. They don't actually fulfill their duties to the people. It's all an illusion. And take a listen to this. This is Tricia Cotham, Democrat turned Republican from North Carolina. Modern day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me and to so many others throughout this state and this country. The party wants to villainize anyone who has free thought, free judgment, has solutions, who wants to get to work to better our state, not just sit in a meeting and have a workshop after a workshop, but really work with individuals to get things done, because that's what real public servants do. If you don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they will try to bully you. They will try to cast you aside. Even in your own party. Now, Republicans are not uh, absolved of this sin either. This isn't a political issue. It's that one party in particular has gone off the rails. And in 
this particular case, uh, looking at this as a, as a general thing of, of how the left wing tends to act with violence and aggression and hatred and bullying, etc. It's as if every potential solution to their problems, uh, to the, or the problems that we, we perceive we have, is to just talk about it and use nice sounding words and not actually offer a solution. And if there is a solution offered, it's it's never a practical solution. And it usually makes the problem a lot worse. And in these cases, whether it's a case with uh, crime or homelessness or drugs or border security or whatever it is, education, etc., it's almost as if common sense is intentionally avoided. Common sense is completely non-existent. As if a cult is in control that wishes to see everybody suffer in an ever-changing hierarchy of severity. One day you suffer more than me, the next day I suffer more than you, and vice versa, and so on, and so on, and so on. And, of course, certain people, they get to suffer more than other people because of the color of their skin, or because of their gender or sexual identity. If you read my book, Liberty Shrugged, you'll know that that is precisely the platform of which the Democratic Party was founded on back in the 1820s. And they can say, we've changed. We switched sides with the Republicans. Actually, regardless of any perceptual switches, your party platform is still the same. It's based on race. It's based on sex. It's based on gender. It's based on identity and identity politics. It's not based on solutions that help. It's not based on progress toward a destination that benefits all of society. It's progress or progressivism toward the destination that benefits the state and the small group of people that run and make up the state. It's a cult, and it wants everybody to suffer in this ever-changing hierarchy of severity. And this makes some people, including myself, consider the possibility that this cult, especially when you recognize what these people are engaged in, uh, to, to the extent where they, they use moderate issues or what should be moderate discussions and debates about issues like abortion or issues like monetary policy or health care. They use you know very basic standard debates as shields against extremist viewpoints like the Satanic Temple arguing that killing children is a, is a right that they have as a religion, even though they're not really a religion and it certainly isn't a right. But it's a political movement of psychotic wackos taking on the image of Satanism, which is even arguably more bizarre, in order to justify their political, homicidal, genocidal zealotry. And so this makes some people consider, again, like myself, the possibility that this cult is really ruled and controlled by supernatural forces. And in fact, a recent research paper was published in Nature, which, quote, explores whether cultural groups invoke the supernatural more to explain natural phenomena, like storms, disease, outbreaks, etc., or social phenomena, like murder and warfare. The report suggests that despite the dominance of supernatural explanations of natural phenomena, which is pretty standard, we all imagine, we all know from the stories and folklore and myth and things, that in the past, our ancestors would look at things like, you know, lightning, or they'd look at things like rain or drought, and they would attribute that to uh, supernatural forces, a god of this, a god of that. 
But according to the report, looking at hundreds of different cultures, supernatural explanations of social phenomena were especially prevalent in urbanized societies with more socially complex and anonymous groups. Now, you would expect on the surface that to be the case because you have, yes, a lot of anonymous groups, a socially complex system in an urbanized society, a lot of things going on, hard to really figure out all the details. Most people just get the surface level stuff. So when you have this mystery, obviously we're going to attribute to that mystery like we do to the, you know, the spiritual world. We might be able to feel it or, or see its uh, interaction with the physical world, but we see that as otherworldly, it's supernatural, etc., This is how a lot of people see government. It's supernatural. You know, a lot of politicians, whether they're groomed or not, are just people like you, just like any celebrity in Hollywood. It's someone who was laying in bed in their sweatpants in a t-shirt. They put on a suit and they go out in front of a TV camera and they become godlike. They become divine. And depending on on how the media portrays them based on the money, where the money comes from, what they support based on the money they receive, which is usually from the same sources that the media is funded through. So they work hand in hand, the big corporations and the media, to sponsor and promote ideologies, viewpoints, and things that benefit the most wealthy. And Republicans obviously do this. Democrats seem to be... um, proud of doing this because at least Republicans justify the military industrial complex as fighting to save, you know, America fighting to protect America. Now both sides actually kind of just say, well, it's not really about America. It's about Ukraine. That's why we need to put money into the military industrial complex. We need to spend all this money to protect another country because we just keep moving the goalpost. We We just keep moving the boundary. We keep changing the rules. Nevertheless, though, these mysterious forces that we see in, in, the, in the halls of government, these are just people like us, but we don't interact with them. We see them on CNN. We see them on Fox News. We hear them on the radio. We hear about them. We know names like Nancy Pelosi. It's just some old lady. That's all Nancy Pelosi. It's just some old woman. Okay, old, some, some woman just like you know your neighbor or someone you know in your family, just an old woman, just an old lady. A lot of these people, Mitch McConnell and others, they're just old guys. They don't have anything to contribute to society. They just have power and they have money and they have influence. That's why they get to make decisions. It's not because they're smarter. It's not because they're more intelligent. But because of the perception or the aura of that power and the aura of that wealth and of all the security and the prestige, they become supernatural in effect. So on the surface, we can understand why some people might feel, and partly why I might feel myself, why some of these folks, whether it's Joe Biden or it's Chuck Schumer, etc., why it seems as if maybe these people are being influenced by forces that are not so material and not so human. I remind you once again of Chuck Schumer literally talking to a spirit in Congress sitting in his chair that nobody else could see. And he's talking to it and yelling at it and telling it to move out of his chair. There's literally nothing there. He's either hallucinating severely or he's speaking to something that he can see and that's actually real. It's not a hallucination, but nobody else can see it. 
And I know that that's the, that kind of a thing is real because I've seen all sorts of things from my childhood on, uh, onward and upward into adulthood. I've seen the hat man, the smiling man, things before I ever knew what they were. Whatever those things are, I saw them with not the mind's eye, but with my physical eyes. So if it's not a hallucination, just like Joe Biden constantly shaking hands with the air and looking like he's talking to people who aren't there, you've seen the videos. I'm sure you've seen the videos. I mean, at the very least, at baseline, he's, he's suffering severely from a mental decline, from mental illness, from dementia, from something. But beyond that, and beyond the physical handlers that obviously control the president, give him the cue cards and speak into his ear and tell him when to turn and where to walk and how to sit and how to, how to shake hands, there may be supernatural forces behind that. There may be supernatural forces behind a lot of the people that we, we think are, you know, perceptually at least, uh, are leaders or some might call them are misleaders, etc., the, the whole point of this, this research uh, that was published in Nature is to look at how cultures analyze natural phenomena and social phenomena and how they attribute supernatural forces to them. Like if we don't understand how nature works, if we don't understand why it rains, then it's a rain god that causes the rain. I mean, that's an explanation of a sort of primitive people, but it's still a form of science to define, to describe, to categorize the event and anthropomorphize it into something that's understandable. Social phenomena works the same way. If we don't understand how government works, then it's really mysterious, obviously. If we don't understand how government works, we don't understand how even local government works, let alone federal government, not only is it mysterious, but it's this, this almost divine uh, thing, uh, this godlike thing that exists beyond the physical world that we interact with every day. We go to work. We come home, we go maybe to a movie, you go to a concert, whatever the case is, and you might drive past City Hall or you might live in the capital of a state, but you don't ever see the mayor, you don't ever see the governor, unless you go to a city council meeting, you don't see the city council members. They're people just like you, but they sit behind that wall, they sit behind that desk, and so they have this perception uh, of power, at least. Now, of course... When you think about supernatural phenomena influencing the physical world, I mean, that's what the spirit is, first and foremost. Second of all, it might make you think of like the, the David Icke uh, writings and the David Icke talks about supernatural alien-like things that are controlling world leaders. Uh, third of all, taking those two things into consideration, I think reality is somewhere in the middle. And I think it's very, it's much more metaphoric because if you take the idea of reptilians, let's say controlling humans and controlling world leaders, and we all have a reptilian brain and what is the reptile and what is the reptilian brain? What does it symbolize? Well, it symbolizes, well, kind of like a low, people say a low vibration. It symbolizes aggression, symbolizes greed. It symbolizes violence and territorialism. Now, a, a leader in politics or business or banking or whatever might not be physically controlled or possessed by a reptilian, but they can be possessed by a reptile-like mindset or reptile-like ideology, uh, a reptile-like sense of, of, uh, of, of power, 
uh, and, and of course, the territorialism and the aggression and the violence that comes with that. And when you, you, you think about that as a metaphor, the reptilian brain and being possessed by reptilian aliens, I mean, it's, it's not far-fetched because we know what a psychopath is. We know what a sociopath is. It's really just another name for the reptilian brain. It's, you're, if you're a psychopath, you don't really feel emotions. You can try to fake them, but usually you're not really that great at it, but you can try to fake them, try to fake emotions, but you don't have emotions. Some people can fake them better than others. You don't have, really have emotions. You can't empathize with other people. You're extremely narcissistic, extremely territorial. You're all the things that the reptile symbolizes. You could be said to be possessed by a reptilian, as funny and silly as that might sound. And so we have a lot of examples of this. A lot of examples of this we're going to talk about tonight on the show. For example, the homelessness crisis up in Maricopa County in Phoenix, Arizona. It's not just there, of course. It's in almost every major city. But there, there's a place up in Maricopa County in Phoenix called The Zone. There is so much trash, so much filth, so much disease, so many drugs, so much violence. They set a man on fire and killed him. They put him in a, they beat him almost to death, put him in a dumpster and lit him on fire the other day. And the federal uh, judges, a federal judge ruled last year that the city can't enforce the cleanup of, of that uh, place called the zone, which is like a tent city. And it's like, okay, well, the federal government is literally encouraging drugs and murder and, and homelessness and, and degeneracy and filth and disease. Uh, why? Doesn't make any sense from a logical point of view for people like us who are kind and want to help people. It doesn't make any sense. Letting people live on the streets in those conditions is not uh, a courtesy. It's not compassion. It's the it's wicked. It's evil. It's the very opposite of compassionate. And so, who do you find behind this? Not only the federal government, you find the ACLU behind it. The ACLU is uh, the, one of the groups that filed the lawsuit and and got the federal judge to to prevent the city from removing the. The, the, the disease-ridden, crime-ridden area there in Maricopa County. Although a judge just ruled, a Maricopa County Superior Judge just ruled that the city has to remove the, the tent city zone because it's just, it's a public nuisance. It's affecting businesses, it's dangerous, etc. But who are these people that want that kind of an environment to exist? Uh, who are the people that exploit children and exploit young people who have goodwill, exploit them like in Tallahassee. There was just an anti-gun march. Kids walked out of school demanding action against automatic rifles. Most kids probably have never shot a rifle or ever even physically seen a rifle, an automatic rifle, any kind of rifle. Of course, the march was organized by an, an organization that tells these kids that all these people die every every day and every um every day, every month, every year from gun violence, but they neglect to tell them where that violence comes from, like gangs and drugs. Like, who are these people that exploit children to get them to accept the stripping away of their and other people's fundamental right, not to guns, but to self-defense? Who are these people? These are, these are evil people. Really evil people. Really evil people. It's utterly macabre. Supernatural decay of the state tonight's show. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere.
From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. like doing shows sincerely i don't that are politically themed and if we do do something that's politically themed i like it to be parapolitical looking at the passion of the christ last night in relation to the passion of the president tonight looking sort of at the sabotage and collapse of civilization perceptually that is In a lot of ways, things are worse than we think. In other ways, things are much, 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 much better than we could ever imagine. But the business of politics and the apocalypse is better than ever. The utterly macabre is a beautiful thing to behold as our perception of order continues to deteriorate and decay. All around us in population centers, we're faced with signs of collapse. Vandalism is considered artwork. Hate crimes only apply to certain groups. Homelessness is a virtue. Open drug use is freedom, and endless crime with no consequences is somehow compassion. And that word right there, compassion, that's what it's all predicated on. Because the average person is compassionate. They might not be compassionate to the person that just cut them off in traffic, but the average person is pretty compassionate. This is a very positive way to look at the world. I think most people are compassionate. They might not be smart but they're compassionate. Most people, I think, are compassionate. 
Most people, I think, to some degree, to some level, are kind naturally. Think about what compassion means. Compassion means sympathetic, concern for other people's misfortunes or other people's suffering. And to be compassionate means that you have to have a soul, that you have to have the spark of divinity and spirit coursing through your body. If you don't have those things, then, well, you are soulless, right? You're spiritless. Some might call you evil. Clinically, we would just call you a psychopath because a psychopath, and there are different definitions of a psychopath, a sociopath, but whichever you choose to kind of think about, kind of get the, I think you get the kind of the same idea. Uh, a psychopath is a person who has an abnormal sense of um, social behavior. They're unstable. They're aggressive. They also tend to lack the things that define compassion. So does a sociopath. A sociopath tends to lack conscience. They're not really concerned with their behavior. So again, they lack compassion. But what they don't lack is an ability to exploit, to do so aggressively, to use, to manipulate, to gaslight, etc. And to use people who are compassionate as pawns in their little psycho-sociopathic games. And I think that's what we're witnessing on every level of society. Here's an example. In Phoenix, Arizona, there is a dangerous, murderous, filthy, drug-infested, disease-riddled crisis. That crisis is also in San Francisco, Portland, Oregon. It's even down here in Tucson to a lesser degree than Phoenix. It's in New York. It's in pretty much every major city in the United States, Austin, Texas, all across the country, largely in population centers. Now, despite a Maricopa County Superior Judge, that's the county of Phoenix, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, Maricopa County Superior Judge has ordered the city just a week or so ago to remove the zone tent city. Uh, even though a judge has ordered the city to remove the zone, which is full of dangerous, filthy, drug-riddled, disease-riddled people and things. It literally looks like a third-world country in this place called The Zone. And uh, police don't go in there. It's a no-no zone because, well, despite the fact that a Maricopa County Superior Court judge ordered the removal of The Zone, a federal judge, per the ACLU, ruled last year that the city cannot enforce such bans because we have to have compassion for the people that are living there. So here you have federal officials working with local officials, not the judge, but other officials that are allowing this to happen, actively attempting to make society a less civil place. This is not a political issue at all. It's not a right or left issue. Go look up the zone. 
in Maricopa County. Take a real good look at what that is. It literally looks like photographs from the worst parts of India or any third world country anywhere in the world. There is so much trash, like the trash piled up in L.A. uh, or San Francisco, or I think I've seen in Sacramento as well. I don't know if it says bad there, but uh, Portland, Oregon, of course. I've been been there many times. It's just disgusting. Tucson had a lot of that. Some parts of Tucson have cleaned up uh, some of that garbage. But you look at the trash, and that's a visual, physical depiction of what is going on in those kinds of areas. Because let me give you an example. A lot of you know this, a lot of you don't know this. I've always had an issue with money. I absolutely have a block with money. I've tried to consciously eliminate that block so I'm not always struggling to pay bills. And I think I've done a pretty good job of that over the years. Uh, Teaming up with Aftermath has helped and uh, putting the show out for free with those advertisements has helped. That's how we make money. Plus, we sell books. Um, I think I've I think I've uh, resolved some of that that blockage with money. But because I've hated money so bad my whole life, at one point in the past, I was homeless. And when I was homeless, I was lucky enough to have a have a vehicle, have a car, and I slept in the car. Um, a friend of mine let me stay in his place a few times, but. I was homeless. I didn't have a place to take a shower. I didn't have a a place to cook a meal. I didn't have a place to um, to stretch out and relax. Really, I mean, you can I can sort of do that in the car, but you know, it's not like a, a bed or a you know a opening kind of an open and closed space like a living room or something like that. You know, a nicety, uh, something that we consider to be part of civilization. So I slept in my car. And I didn't have any of those things. So I didn't just start throwing trash everywhere. I was actively trying to get a job. This was when I was living in Orlando. It was very difficult. I was still on radio at the time, by the way, even though I was homeless. Um, I, I actively was trying to get a job everywhere, anywhere I could find, could find to get a try to find, uh, try to get a job. Um, I had a, you know, I have a film degree or a, bachelor's of science degree in film production and uh, most places wouldn't hire me some places told me well you've got like this technical degree why aren't you getting a job in that you know we're looking to hire somebody else so we can basically we can pay less so the point is i was homeless i didn't have access to any of those things it was really hard to get a job but i still tried to get a job i uh, I scraped up some money and i got a, a membership at the ymca what was that like ten dollars twelve dollars a month so I could go take a shower. It also gave me something to do. I had some recreation. I played basketball or, um, you know, uh, I don't know what else they had. I think they had like a tennis court and some other stuff there in Orlando. Um, but I, you know, I also would go, you know, if I didn't have, if I really wanted a hot meal, I could go to, you know, a, a grocery store to where they had kind of, you know, the buffet set up. I went to Whole Foods. That was the only one that was close by. And, uh, you know, just get a teeny tiny bit of hot food if I could afford it. I mean, my point is, even though I was homeless and didn't have access to things, I never went to receive assistance from the city. I never got assistance from the state. I had saved some money before I became homeless. So I used that money that I had saved and I used it sparingly. And I also at no point 
decided to start throwing garbage everywhere. At no point did I decide I'm just never going to bathe and I'm going to shoot up with heroin. At no point did I decide to do those things. So I think I am in a position where I can at least look at these situations. If you've never been homeless, it's kind of hard to understand that concept. But I can at least look at these situations. I can understand and I can have compassion with these people. And I can tell you as someone who's been homeless and who's been one car door away from actually sleeping on the pavement and having absolutely nothing to my name, I can tell you that the worst thing in the world would be to coddle that and to think that compassion is encouraging that. You should try to help those people. And the way you help those people is not through the tongue-in-cheek compassion of just let them live in squalor. The way that you help those people is you actually go in there, you help people get clean, you clean up the area, and you force people to become active, productive members of society for their benefit and for the benefit of the businesses in the area and the people that live in the area. So much for preventing disease with wearing masks and taking vaccines. You know, in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles, and I've not heard any reports out of the zone in Maricopa County, but I'd imagine if you go in there and do some investigation, you'll find it. They are finding evidence of bubonic plague. Now, bubonic plague isn't something that just gets transmitted around and we, we exterminated it hundreds of years ago. Bubonic plague is a result of filth, feces, urine, trash, garbage, drugs, basically sleeping in a sewer. That's where bubonic plague comes from. That's where a lot of disease comes from. So, so much for stopping disease and keeping people healthy and we're all in this together because it's beneficial to one political party to allow people to live that way because it, of course, allows them to acquire cheap, falsified votes, which is what it's almost exclusively about. Plus, it makes everything look really ugly and gross and disgusting. It scares good people away, and it turns these population centers into hubs of corruption degeneracy, and evil. So compassion is something we all have. I have compassion. I feel sincerely compassionate for the people that are living in those conditions. But if I'm going to help somebody, I'm not going to help them by throwing money to someone who's got a crack pipe, which I see routinely here in Tucson. But there are plenty of homeless people around here I see who found a way to take a shower. I see them reading books, not harassing people. That's the kind of person I might willingly go over and maybe give them something to eat or take them to get something to eat. That's the kind of person, if I had time to do that kind of thing, that's the kind of person I would help. Maybe you think I'm a hypocrite because I don't do that kind of thing. But I don't do that kind of thing because it's really dangerous to do that kind of thing. Even if you live in those communities, it's dangerous. Uh, People get stabbed. People get choked to death, and burned alive routinely in those areas. Is that the kind of compassion we should have? We we want people to live like that? And people that aren't completely psychotic, aren't on drugs, they live in those kinds of environments. It's dangerous for them. 
How is it compassionate to let people live like that? It's not. It's evil. And the ACLU and the federal judge that ruled, don't clean that up. You better not clean that up. You better let people sleep in their feces and burn other people alive in trash cans. That actually happened. Those are evil people at the ACLU. American Civil Liberties Union. No, not the American Civil Liberties Union. It's not about civil liberties. More like the Antichrist Union. These are evil, psychotic, sociopathic people. And they lack compassion because they have no soul. Here's another example. In Tallahassee, students took place uh, in an anti-gun march by walking out of school and demanding, quote, serious action against automatic rifles. The march was organized, of course, not by some random student who just said, hey, I don't like guns because I know all about guns and I know all about school shootings and I know all about drugs and gangs and rape and torture and murder and all the terrible things in the world and guns are causing all of them and I want to have a march and walk out of class to stop it. No, it was a group called Students Demand Action, which is actually controlled by adults who are compassionless. And they prey on the compassion of young people who have a lot of compassion. And they tell them things like this. This was a news report this morning that I read. And this is about, uh, this March was in many places, but this is uh, from uh, Tallahassee uh, that this was reported. And it was uh, published by Reuters. And let me, let me give you an idea of what it says. It says, in Tallahassee, one high school uh, student told Reuters she joined the walkout in honor of the six people in the latest deadly school shooting at Nashville's Covenant School on March 27th. And part of the reason she joined it was to protest Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' move to sign into effect a law that allows the permitless carry of a concealed gun. Good for Florida. Good for my home state of Florida. Good for Ron DeSantis. While another student said she wanted policymakers to take serious action against automatic rifles. Now, why? Why do they think and feel this way? Do you think a high schooler, on average, is aware of who the governor is? Do you think an adult is aware of who the governor is? Who their, who their city council people are? Who their mayor is? How many high schoolers are aware of that on average? Not many. And the ones that are aware of that, how many of them get interviewed by Reuters for a hit piece on Ron DeSantis and a hit piece on guns? It's all completely controlled and organized. And it's actually officially organized by Students Demand Action. And Students Demand Action go into these schools and they prey on students and they've told them this. Their website says this too, Students Demand Action. More than 110 Americans are killed with guns every day and more than 200 are shot and wounded. That's what they're telling the students. And most kids are going to think, well, that's bad. We don't like people to die. They probably tell them things like, that could be your friend. Your friend could die from gun violence. Hold this sign up and let us take a picture. It's just sick, disgusting psychos. 110 Americans killed every day from guns. What they fail to mention, however, is that virtually every single one of those deaths, and this is statistically verifiable, Almost every one of those deaths and injuries are a result of gangs, 
drugs, crimes of all sorts, burglary, theft, etc., and suicide. So here you have very, very kind-hearted, but obviously very clueless, and unfortunately, in some cases, very uh, aggressively brainwashed kids, exploited kids, again, who are kind and compassionate. Here you have these largely clueless but kind and compassionate kids exploited to encourage the giving up of fundamental rights like that of self-defense, which is what the Second Amendment is all about. It's about your right to defend yourself. You have a right to self-defense. You don't have a right to own an AR-15. You have a right to self-defense. Self-defense might come in the form of an AR-15. It might come in the form of a 9mm. It might come in the form of a of a, of, a, of a knife or pepper spray. What they also don't tell the kids is because of the students demand action-like groups telling young kids that are vulnerable that their friends are going to die if they don't stand up against guns. Not only are they not telling them about the fact that most gun crimes and most violence. It's all committed by criminals, gangs, drug-related, and suicide. They're also not telling them that it's because of these kinds of restrictive, harsh policies and the refusal to enforce the law or to prosecute criminals. In other words, it's the same anti-gun policy or same anti-gun policy ideologies that are responsible for all the real gun violence. And these kids who are compassionate are being exploited and used. They're being intellectually, mentally, and physically, energetically physically, I should say, raped and tortured by psychopaths and sociopaths that want to use them as shields to advance their anti-human, anti-American agenda. It's not just anti-American, it's anti-human because it suggests that people should not have a right to defend themselves. Maybe you think that I've gone off the rails. Well, let's take a look at a study out of John Jay College of Criminal Justice. This study just found that New York, New York's bail reform law, which is intended to help poor people get out of jail because they don't have money to post bail, so no bail. You just get to walk out the front door. This study from John Jay College of Criminal Justice found that New York's bail reform law is actually intended to support criminals. It's not just rhetoric. It's not just a talking point. Research shows that suspects released without bail were more likely to be rearrested for additional felonies and violent crimes over those who were given bail. Of course, the main reason for that is if you commit a felony or any crime for that matter and you get arrested and you get taken and booked, if you don't get a bail put on you, if you're not given bail and you're just thrown back out, what incentive do you have to not commit the crime? What incentive do you have to be a good citizen? Oh, I got arrested and they fingerprinted me. I won't, I won't rape anybody again. I'm not going to knock off another convenience store or rob a bank. I don't want to get fingerprinted again. You walk out and then you go commit the same crime. In some cases, there are people that literally commit multiple felonies a day and get arrested multiple times a day and released. 
This is more than just a public nuisance, which is what the judge ruled up in Maricopa County about the drugs and the feces and the homelessness and encouraging that under the guise of compassion. This is a dereliction of duty. This is borderline treasonous that any mayor, any city council, any police chief, any sheriff, any prosecutor would not tell the individual or the groups or even the federal government for that matter to piss off when they're instructed to not enforce the law and not prosecute criminals. It's like, well, what about, what, what, what about Hispanic criminals and black criminals? They get arrested at higher rates. Well, what about the Hispanic and black police? In most major cities, Detroit, Rochester, New York, uh, here in Tucson, Arizona, I use those. I know, I know definitely for Detroit, and I'm pretty sure here in Tucson, it's, it's pretty split. Most of the police are not white. So what about their lives? Do, do, do those lives not matter because they enforce the law? Is it about black lives and Hispanic lives, or is it about just not wanting to enforce the law? Because if a black cop wants to arrest somebody, it's not okay. So then it's not about black lives. It's about not enforcing the law, which affects everybody equally. And any marginalized groups, real or imagined, are affected even more so because police can't go into those areas and do anything about the crime. So not enforcing the law, not policing, defunding police, etc. actually affects and harms the groups that are at war with each other, like black-on-black violence, the highest rate of any other group. It's black-on-black violence. That's, that's what kills more black people outside of abortion. Black-on-black violence. Black-on-black violence. One of my favorite rappers, uh, Dax, just released a song on that. Black people are, he said, black people are jealous of their own success. They don't want to be successful. They want to be coddled and taken care of. That's what he was saying and implying in the song. And uh, pretty accurate statement. Not all black people. It's not about black people. It's not about Hispanic people or white people. It's not about any of that. What it's about is when you don't enforce the law and you don't prosecute people, you don't put people in jail, you don't make them question and fear the crime that they committed. What happens? They get rearrested for additional felonies and violent crimes, and then you let them go, and then they get arrested for additional felonies and violent crimes. Any person who is affected by that, any person who gets carjacked, mugged, any person who gets, I mean, you think rape is such a physical violent thing, but it's, I mean, for some people, if you get mugged, it's such a violation of your personal space. It might be as mentally traumatizing as rape. Whatever the case is, when that happens the first time, okay, the person needs harsh consequences for their actions. But if you don't have consequences and you just let them go and they go do it again, every single time it's the responsibility of the city and the police and the prosecutors to do something about those criminals. Every time they do it, A second time after they've been released, those criminals, this is really something you could probably sue the hell out of the city for because they're they're allowing scumbags. Look at the guy in St. Louis who was literally just executed on the street, literally executed at gunpoint on the street, sitting on the side of the street. There's a homeless guy. Can't say what the guy looked like, though, who shot him because he was black and that's that's racist. 
that little grocery store I worked at called the Co-op, little Co-op grocery store I worked at in New York. Uh, these black guys would come in and steal really expensive things and then go sell them on the street. And we couldn't tell the police what color they were because it was racist. It's insanity. Those are just two examples, three examples, the, the guns and the bail reform and the stuff going on in Maricopa County. We've got a lot more examples tonight on the, tonight on the show. And the reason I'm sharing, sharing this with you is because it's utterly macabre and because it's indicative, it suggests that there's something non-human about the people that believe that this is a good thing, that encourage this, because they're encouraging the collapse of civilization, even if it's just perceptually. If we agree that things are collapsing, they are, even if they're not. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the follow back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm ryan gable if you'd like to contact the show email me at rdgable at yahoo.com or tst radio at protonmail.com you can listen to the secret teachings monday through friday right after clyde lewis and ground zero and or you can listen in the free archive by searching the secret teachings on any radio or podcast player if you listen to the show for free you download it and stream it share it with your friends and your family you help us grow and you also help us make some money because we get paid with those advertisements doesn't cost you anything if you're already a subscriber to the ad free archive that gets you access to montages and my digital books at the secretteachings.info you can renew that subscription and for new subscribers check out aftermath.media you heard Clyde Lewis and I talk about that last night at the end of the show you get a lot more than just my show and his show. You get all those other perks and goodies like the webinars and, again, montages and books and all that stuff at aftermath.media. And that helps not only the secret teachings, it also helps Aftermath, it helps Clyde, it helps everybody who puts uh, those shows together. It also helps everybody involved in Aftermath. And uh, it's just a couple dollars a month. It's not a lot of money. You know, we, we... spend more than that on average uh, with uh, subscriptions we forget we have uh, on a cup of coffee, on a sandwich, whatever. So I really hope that you go to aftermath.media and subscribe. And I also hope, because we make uh, a lot of our money through book sales, I hope you go to the uh, www.thesecretteachings.info, our website, and uh, grab one, two, three copies of, uh, of one or multiple uh, copies of, of, of several of my books. Occult Arcana, the Technological Elixir, Food Philosophy, and my new book, Liberty Shrugged, which if you enjoy tonight's show, I think you'll really enjoy Liberty Shrugged. All of those books have reviews, and you can purchase them on our website. If you buy the physical book, you'll also get a digital copy as well. And here's the cool thing. I like to think I'm a, I'm a thoughtful guy. <laughs> I, I think that if I buy a book and I see a new edition come out, uh, I'd hope I can you know get that new edition without having to pay a lot. So if you've Bought, an, uh, bought a copy of one of the books and you see a new edition out, I will send you a digital copy uh, for free. So it's kind of a perpetual thing. Once you, you buy a physical book, I'll send you a digital copy if there's ever an update to it. www.thesecretteachings.info Please subscribe. Please buy a book, aftermath.media. And uh, I would really appreciate it. It supports us. Last thing, but not least, leave us a review. Uh, I've been saying this for since February. Um... Can you imagine that since February, March, April, May, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, well, it's April 6th today. So by the end of this month, it'll have been, see, March, April, it'll be three months at the end of this month. It's been two months since we've got a review on Apple Podcasts and people tell me they leave them and they just don't pop up. They don't populate. So make sure that your review goes through. Uh, I guess we're suppressed uh, on there. 
as well. So anyway, like I said earlier, the business of politics in the apocalypse is better than ever. A friend of mine, Joseph Lavelle, he uh, messaged me today and he said, did your show get more, like more hits or more listens last night? And I said, as a matter of fact, it did. Got shadow banned on Facebook and Twitter, but it got a lot more clicks and likes and hits. And I know what he was implying when he asked that question. I just read the first part of the, the, the statement he messaged me. It's because that's what people want to hear about. Well, Trump, 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 Trump. You know, personally, I don't care. <laughs> but when I, when I discuss it, when I cover it like last night, and we look at the Passion of the Christ story in parallel, um, the concern I don't have is not so much for the political imprisonment uh, or the election rigging or the, the abuse of the justice system. I don't care about Trump as a leader. I don't think he's a good leader. I don't think he should be treated the way that he's treated. That's wrong, but I don't think that he's a good leader. So that's why I don't care. But I do care about the esoteric element of it because it applies to the things I do care about in regard to the exploitation of uh, you know, one's power and the justice system being abused and somebody who is the president of the United States being treated like a common criminal because of political differences, etc. So, I mean, those things I care about uh, and those are, I think they filter or they spill over into the esoteric elements of, of what we discussed last night as well. But I, I just, I can't stand to talk about it, but I know that it's important. I know that it's really important. And so that's why we do cover it. And that's why I chose today, you know, instead of doing an Easter show, uh, we'll do one tomorrow probably to talk about what I call the supernatural decay of the state. Um, and as I said a second ago, the business of politics and the apocalypse is better than ever. The more that the media and the more that politicians can get you to think that the world is falling apart, the more scared you get and the more faith you put in those people, even if they're the ones that have created the perception or created the actual conditions of that decay in the first place. If you look around you in every major city, you see all the signs of collapse. You see vandalism. Vandalism, though, is considered artwork. And I'm not talking about when artists are paid to paint things. I'm talking about vandalizing those paintings or vandalizing things with spray paint or with whatever, calling it artwork or calling it protest and justifying it. You know, hate crime only applies to certain groups. When there's a shooting at a, a gay nightclub, it's a hate crime, even if the shooter's trans. But if it's a shooting at a Christian school, by a trans person who's really, really, really angry or upset about having gone to school there or whatever they were angry about. Jean-Pierre of the White House says, quote, it's not for us to decide if this transgender person was exhibiting anti-Christian sentiment and that this is a hate crime. So a gay club is targeted by a trans person, nonetheless, it's blamed on white conservative Christians, and it's still called, whether it's the Pulse Club, uh, nightclub or it's Club Q, uh, the, the Pulse nightclub wasn't a transgender person, but in both cases, it's a hate crime. But when a school that is a Christian school is attacked by a psycho, then we shouldn't dead name the person, and it's not a hate crime. Hate crimes only apply to certain groups. When black people attack white people, 
or Asian people or whatever the case is. It's never a hate crime. It's only when white people do it. This is Marxism, folks. Homelessness also. Homelessness is a virtue. Open drug use. It's freedom, man. Just do whatever you want to do. And endless crime with no consequence. It's compassion. Of course, if you have compassion, that means you're human. means you have a soul. You have emotions. You have feelings. You're not soulless. You're not evil. But some people don't have compassion. Some people are soulless. Some people are evil. Some people are psychotic. Some people are sociopathic. When people act like a, so- a psychopath or a sociopath, when they act soulless, they act evil, they can pretend like they have emotions or pretend like they have feelings or pretend like they have compassion, but they don't. They exhibit a kind of non-human supernatural quality. And I really truly think that this is one of the primary reasons, and it's a very big misunderstanding and misinterpretation of psychology and even human anatomy because of the reptile brain, of, of why people think, well, since there are politicians or bankers or you know, everyday criminals that just don't seem to have compassion, they don't think, they don't care, they're sociopaths or psychopaths, they don't act like humans, they must be possessed by a demon or they must be uh, possessed by you know, whatever, an alien, like you know, reptilians controlling world leaders. Personally, I don't necessarily think that the idea of something interdimensionally interacting with us physically is that outrageous uh, of a claim. And people make fun of David Icke, but much of what David Icke wrote about, if you read his original books, he's literally just taking stories from other people and, and, and repeating them back and then creating this narrative around it, kind of like, uh, like Nick Redfern. He just takes a lot of stories and then writes about you know, the, cons- the consistencies in the stories, about the men in black or whatever it is. That's what David Icke did a lot of in the in the beginning, especially uh, Children of the Matrix about the really that I think that whole book was about like reptilians and things like that. So that idea, though, of the reptilian or the alien uh, possession, I think really can be attributed to the reptile brain. You know, the reptile brain is your lack of compassion, really. It's your territorialism. It's your aggression. It's the the violence, it's the warfare and the conflict. I mean, look at Antifa, which does exist. They are a group. Antifa is dominated by the reptilian brain. They run around telling you that they're compassionate. They have souls. People that need to tell you they have souls probably don't have souls. In fact, a big psychological study up in Canada found that the people who signal virtue are only looking for personal social credit. People that signal virtue are narcissistic and they're psychotic. People that signal virtue are suffering from the dark triad of personality traits. It's a mental disorder. They're actually psychotic, not because of their politics, but because of the way that they act. You can talk to someone who has a different political view than you. I can talk to someone who has a different political view than me. If they have a different opinion and we can discuss it, great. I don't think they're psychotic or a libtard just because they're a Democrat. 
I don't think all Republicans are evil and love war. But when someone won't engage with you, when someone throws things at you and screams at you and is angry and violent, they are displaying the characteristics of a psycho, of someone who is soulless, of someone who is evil, of essentially a, a zombie. They are displaying characteristics that are non-human, that could be said to be supernatural. They look like they're hysterical. They look like they're possessed by something. They act like they're possessed by something, like someone else or something else is controlling them. More than just ideologically. And perhaps this has something to do with the reptilian brain and the, the idea of reptilians controlling humans and particularly the idea of demonic-like possession uh, or interacting with things, kind of like that TV show Evil, uh, where the, the nun can see when demons are attached to people. I, I sincerely, I mean, you want my actual opinion, cut this up and share it, show people that I'm so crazy and nuts. I actually think people like Chuck Schumer, I think Chuck Schumer is haunted by an entity. I've seen the video of him talking to it. I think Joe Biden is haunted by an entity. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. Called an alien. Called a demon. I don't care what you call it, but I think he's haunted by something. I don't think it's just ideology. I don't think it's just handlers behind the scene. I think he's actually controlled by something. He looks like he's made a Faustian bargain and he is on the last uh, article of that bargain. And you know what comes next. And traditionally... The magician, those that are controlled, uh, that are given power by supernatural forces, they'll do anything horrific and demonic to keep that power. Killing children, doing whatever. I mean, you just think about the idea of the supernatural, the handlers behind the scenes, the idea of uh, the sociopath and the psychopath, the dark triad of personality traits, just in the average person, let alone more powerful people, uh, the way that they act soulless, without compassion, but, but, they, but they tell you they have compassion. Some of it certainly is the mystery of power. Like, we don't know what goes on in the mayor's office or the governor's office or the, or the, the White House or Congress or the Supreme Court. We don't, we don't know exactly what goes on. So it's mysterious. We can attribute to it these supernatural qualities. I'm aware of the psychology of that. I'm on board with the psychology of that. I don't think everybody's controlled by demons or reptilians. That's insane. But I think some people might be influenced by something that's more supernatural. In fact, recent research published in Nature explores whether cultural groups invoke the supernatural more to explain natural phenomena, like a storm, or social phenomena, like warfare. The report suggests this, quote, Despite the dominance of supernatural explanations of natural phenomena, which we can all kind of assume, we know at least a few myths uh, from the past, how they relate to nature and deifying uh, events. The article says supernatural explanations of social phenomena were especially prevalent in urbanized societies with more socially complex and anonymous groups. You can go read this study if you'd like. In other words, in an urbanized setting and with conditions that are complex, with infrastructure and government and social services and the way that that system functions and works, however good or however poorly, it's very mysterious to the average person. It's very otherworldly. You don't go to the mayor's office. You don't go to the governor's office. You don't go to the White House. You don't know what goes on. 
as far as you know, you know, the, the mayor's a hologram. You have no idea. Have you met the mayor? Have you met the governor? Most people haven't. I'm not saying, obviously these people exist. Okay. I've, I've, I've seen governors up close. I've, I've met mayors. It's my point is for the average person. And even for me seeing things on TV, I, I don't know who these people are. You know, everything is scripted from the way that they dress to the way that they speak. Doctors on TV, everything is scripted from the way that they sit and hold their hands to the way that they speak and use words. It's all scripted from the American Medical Association or the National Institute of Health, Institutes of Health. It's all scripted. I can show you the scripts. I have copies of scripts for, for things like the COVID-19 vaccine. Don't focus on the science. Just focus on telling people it's safe. Who are the people? That's the question. What is the energy or what is the force? What is this non-human supernatural force? It has to be non-human because it doesn't act human. It has to be supernatural because it's not natural in the way that we perceive the natural world. So what is this non-human, supernatural, psychopathic, sociopathic, soulless evil force? A force that encourages people to live in feces and squalor. That forces and encourages people to live in those conditions and then calls it compassion. Phoenix, Arizona is in the midst of a dangerous, totally disgusting, drug and disease riddled, murderous crisis of homelessness and God knows what else because I haven't been in the heart of the zone in Maricopa County. But despite a Maricopa County Superior Court judge ruling just last, it was the week before last, that the city has to remove the, the big tent city, the zone, a federal judge per the ACLU ruled last year sometime around December, that the city can't enforce such a ban. So here you have federal officials working with local officials to attempt and to successfully uh, uh, attempt to make society a little less civil. Those are evil, psychotic people. The ACLU is not the American Civil Liberties Union. They're the Antichrist Liberties Union. They're evil when they do things like that. The federal judge is evil, psychotic, sociopathic, whatever words you want to use, they're non-human for encouraging people to live in those conditions. I've been homeless. I told you the story in the last half hour. And when I was homeless, I never threw garbage on the ground. When I was homeless, I did my best to find a job, to take a shower at least every couple days, to, to scrape up money and to buy food. I didn't ask for handouts from people. I didn't harass people. A few friends of mine helped me, probably because I didn't act like that. And having that background, having experienced that myself, the last thing in the world, you know, as long as you're not on drugs and God knows what else you're doing and what else you've, you've been subject to, as long as you're not doing those other things, you want to be out of that situation. It's really evil to encourage it and to call it compassion. It's just a, it's just a whole other level of evil. It's compassion to let people live that way. No, it's not. It's evil, you psycho. Here's another example I mentioned earlier. In Tallahassee, students took place uh, or took, um, I should say, they took time to, uh, to walk out of school uh, and to have an anti-gun march walkout. They, this anti-gun march walkout took place. Uh, and the kids were demanding action against automatic rifles. 
The march was organized by Students Demand Action, which claims over 110 Americans are killed daily with guns and more than 200 are shot and wounded, according to their website. Now, is it true? 110 Americans are killed daily with guns? It's not exactly 110, but a lot of people are killed with guns every day. Yeah, a lot of people are shot and wounded. What they fail to mention, however, is that virtually all those deaths and injuries are gangs, drugs, crime, and suicide related. So you have largely clueless, but really kind and compassionate kids who are having their kindness and compassion exploited to give up basic fundamental rights like the right to self-defense. Most of these kids don't know what an automatic rifle is. Most adults don't know what an automatic rifle is. I have guns, and I don't fully know all the details, even about the guns I own. <laughs> Wes from Conspirifact asked me a question about my, my AR the other day, which does not stand for assault rifle, by the way. And I was like, honestly, buddy, I don't know. I have to go look it up. I own one. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know the, the specifics. I know I don't point it at people. I, I know that I don't keep it loaded in my front seat and point it at people when I drive down the road or walk into a store with it. Like I know how to take care of it, how to clean it. I know how to, to properly load it and unload it and shoot it. And I know safety and I know the law. But I just, I don't know like specifics of guns. Like I know how to drive a car. I just don't really know how to take the engine apart and put it back together. So someone who owns a gun, who's not scared of them like myself, I respect them. I don't know all the details about guns. Most adults don't know the details, especially if you've never used one or handled one or even seen one up close. How do kids know about these things? If any kid is well-versed on guns, it's because their parents taught them at a young age to respect them that they're not a toy. And if that's the case, most of those kids aren't going to be involved in an anti-gun rally. So who are these kids that are interviewed by Reuters? That are having their emotions and their compassion exploited. You don't want 110 Americans to die, do you? So hold this sign up. It's evil. You know, it's like that episode of King of the Hill. When Bobby was organizing, this is one of my favorite episodes. Bobby's organizing a... um. It's like a, 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 a fe- like a fair or something, kind of like a circus fair or something at the school. And he's trying to get people together and trying to get them to help him organize this. And this diversity person comes in, sent there, was it, I don't know if they were sent by the county or something, but they were sent there through the school. And the diversity person comes in and starts telling everybody, you know, based on their skin color and their sex, and these, you know, Bobby's like, what's he in middle school, high school? Or he's in middle school. I haven't watched King of the Hill for a long time. It's such a great show. Uh, but he starts telling them and teaching them that, you know, they're all different. And, the, you know, the, all these terrible things that white people did in the, in the, the past and took a group of people that were working together, a group of kids that were working together to make this, this festival and turned them against each other. So they were fighting and screaming at each other. The, the people that, that, is, that is like literally a description of what the devil does turns family against themselves and others um, in the family, turns themselves against themselves. They hate themselves, turns brother against brother, sister against sister, brother against sister, sister against brother, turns you against everything that is, that is, uh, that is good or that is moral. I mean, that is, it's, it's, if you want to understand the, the, the gist of tonight's show, that episode of King of the Hill really is it. It's, it's absolutely pure, unfiltered, raw evil. It's soulless. These people are not human. They are psychotic. And the sad thing is some of the people that believe 
I mean, I, I know plenty of people I've like, I like people I've known in my life that I've been friends with that are like really good, good people. Like, let me give you an example, personal story, never told it on air. Um, I, I met this girl up in Flagstaff, Arizona years and years and years ago. Okay. And, uh, had a thing with her. All right. And being straightforward with you, it's a point to the story. She was, um, into astrology and she was really knowledgeable about astrology and uh, she enjoyed uh, a lot of the occult stuff that I knew and I talk about. And then one day, despite all those connections and the time spent together and like the, you know, the, that kind of emotional bonding, she tells me, I can't talk to you anymore because you're not, you don't say you're a feminist. That was it. And she never texted me again. It was just like that. Because you won't say you're a feminist. So I'm like, I don't even, what does that even mean? What do you mean? You don't stand up for women. It's like, well, I, did I treat you poorly? Did I treat anybody around you poorly? Doesn't matter because you won't say it. Christians do the same crap, by the way. I just had Christians recently tell me, you won't say you believe in Christ or that Christ is your savior. So that just, so that you're just, you're evil or you're, somebody called me a demon seed. It's like I sit here every night and like defend Christians. There's a, there's, there is certainly a war against Christians, against all religions. There's an anti-Christian -bi bias in Hollywood. Obviously an anti-Christian bias uh, with the person who opened fire at the Covenant School in the White House. Jean-Pierre says, uh, we don't want to speculate on what the motivation was. Uh, it's not for us to decide. Well, when it's a, it's a gay club, it's a hate crime, right? But not when it's a Christian school. It's just... Sometimes people, like that girl I knew, she was kind and she was intelligent. She had problems. Everybody has problems. But someone like that who is brainwashed and they're turned rabid by ideology. And they just become these, these uh, marching soldiers, these pawns of um, like the person that came into Bobby's school in King of the Hill. But they don't tell these kids again at the school where they had the gun marches, most of those gun-related uh, incidences are gangs, drugs, you know, crime in general, suicide, etc. Uh, a study I mentioned earlier, John uh, Jay College of Criminal Justice found that New York's bail reform is actually intended to support criminals. Of course it is. Research showed that suspects released without bail were more likely to be rearrested for additional felonies and violent crimes over those who were given bail. Here you have criminals being protected under the guise of supporting poor people. Here's another example. The new mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, he walked back a little bit to his credit, his outright view of defunding the police. But he's saying that we can stop the crime and we can do all these wonderful things without cops. We just need more social workers, more mental health professionals. And if we have more social workers and more mental health professionals, we can stop the crime. He also wants, quote, more detectives according to the New York Times, so that they can solve the crimes. But it's like criminal justice should begin with preventing and discouraging crimes, not trying to figure out who did them after the fact, not just putting criminals through mental health screenings and social workers. And crime prevention means the prosecution of criminals and discouraging criminal activity, not hiring more people. That's more big government for you. 
and you'll see that the problem in Chicago will stay the same. And that, hey, somebody should tell those kids in Tallahassee, most of those gun deaths and gun crimes, it's happening in places like Chicago every single day. Why don't you tell those kids in Tallahassee what kind of gun laws they have in Chicago? I'm Ryan Gable. We'll be right back. A couple more examples about the utterly macabre after this. From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! Just another example of the utterly macabre at Harvard University. People are really upset, according to a new report this morning, that more Asian students are being admitted over black and Latino students. Of course, the people that are upset about this, the weekend warrior, the dark triad of personality trait type people, neglect to ask why more Asian students are admitted. Is it affirmative action for Asians or Harvard workers? Uh, what do they call the people that uh, go out and recruit the recruiters at Harvard? Are they targeting Asian communities? Hey, I thought Asian communities were the subject of vile hatred. Why is Harvard going out there and giving them preferential treatment? And if they are, wouldn't that be a good thing? But no, because see, Asians are lower on the hierarchy than blacks and Latinos. And because of that, 
it's an issue if Asians, which might be attacked in New York City by black people, and then it's blamed on white people. That's literally what has happened in New York City. And, the, and it's not the fault of black people. If, if you're black, it's not your fault that's happening. Uh, your skin color, your, the pigment of your skin, which is GD irrelevant to anything in life, anything in the world, except the appreciation of culture and, and, and things like that, uh, is being exploited for political reasons, of course. If you're listening to this show, I assume you know that. But Asian people are supposedly being targeted and yet, here's Harvard giving them preferential treatment. So are they being targeted? Or are, they being given, are they given special treatment? Or maybe it doesn't matter because Asians fall into a... This is, this is a theory I have. I call it the racial hierarchy. Racial and gender, sex, it's the identity hierarchy. If you're Asian, you're important for a news story or two. But when it comes to a black person being discriminated against, the black person is more important. That is unless you're a black conservative. If you're a black conservative, then you don't matter as much as the Asian liberal. And it kind of goes on and on like that. Kind of the same thing with Latinos or any other group. If you're Jewish, you go pretty far up there to the top. If you're a conservative Jew, well, you tend to fall down a few ranks. A black liberal is probably more important than a conservative Jew. Now, I'm not saying that you know, th- this is kind of like if I was working on a stand-up routine, this would probably be what my stand-up routine would, would, would start with. This is <laughs> kind of how I see the world. I wonder if any of you can see that hierarchy as well. I mean, how about you look at the case of, um, you know, the, the, the shooting at the Covenant School. If those were black kids, it would be a hate crime. But since they're white kids, it's not a hate crime. If they were gay, if it was a gay club, it would be a hate crime. But since they're Christian... It's not a hate crime. So white Christians, if they're killed, it's not because of a hate crime, even if it was motivated by hatred. But if a white person is killed who's gay, then it's a hate crime. It, it is literally a hierarchy. So what are they doing at Harvard? They're letting more Asian. Are they, they actively engaged in full? Where are the Asians at? Bring in all the Asians. Well, no, Asians tend to do And just generally speaking, most Asians tend to do better in math. They tend to do better in science. They tend to do better in engineering. Nobody's asking the question why, though. Thomas Sowell figured it out. He knew why. It was because of culture. Whether you agree or not with the certain kinds of cultures that are in Asian countries, it's largely because of culture. What is the difference culturally between Asian communities and black communities? Think about it. It's a very serious question. I'm not going to answer it, but think about it. What is the main difference? Here's another question for you. What is the main difference between communities of color that are successful and communities of color that are not successful? I'm not going to answer it, but think about it. Because the communities of color that are successful, they have something in common with the Asian communities that are successful and the white communities that are successful and the Latino communities that are successful. All the successful groups have something in common. I want you to think about it because nobody's thinking about that kind of thing when they wonder, why is Harvard letting more Asians in? Maybe because they're performing better. Maybe because culturally... 
their culture is geared toward this type of success. Perhaps that's why. I'm not saying going to college is the only thing anybody should do, but this is part of the reason. Now, as that is happening, I read this this morning, the Supreme Court of the United States, and I, I heard about this, this case. The Supreme Court of the United States is preparing a decision to determine if affirmative action is actually discrimination against Asian students. I thought that was kind of interesting. The Supreme Court is about to decide. They're preparing a, um, uh, a decision. In the case of Students for Fair admin, uh, Admission or Admissions versus Harvard, a lawsuit that alleges the Ivy League University's race-conscious admission proce- uh, procedures and processes discriminates against Asian applicants. Huh. Okay, so if you have Asians, whether they're c- citizens or they're, they're Asian Americans, they, they, they migrated here, they became citizens, they're coming here to go to school, whatever the case is, and they have the grades and they have the, uh, the, the, the draw and they have the determination to succeed. And they get, they get kicked out of you know, the lineup for black students who don't have any of that. I'm not saying black people can't do those kinds of things. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying you have an Asian person A, they deserve to be admitted because they've done the work. They have the skill set. They need to be at that university. Because that's what they want to do. But they get kicked off the list for someone who just wants to go there because they feel like they deserve it, even if they've never done any work. That is discrimination against everybody, especially the the higher ranking groups, which tend to be Asian. The Supreme Court's about to decide that case, so they're gonna they're gonna, you know, have their their decision, uh, their judgment, uh, I don't know how soon, but I'd like to read that, hopefully soon, uh, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's like the media this morning says, too many Asian kids being admitted. It was like, don't you love Asians? Well, not enough black kids are being admitted. It was enough too many, I don't know if you can have too many black people being admitted, but it won't, not enough Latinos are admitted, not enough Asians. Are, how, how, do you, how do you want to quantify this? Well, it needs to be equal. We need to have 100 black kids and 100 Asian kids and 100 Latino kids and 100 Native American kids and 100 kids that have Down syndrome all in the same class at the same time. That's equality. No, that's insanity. That's psychotic. It doesn't make any sense. What is the incentive to be a good person, to be civil, to follow the law, to do your work, to build something? What is the incentive to do anything at all? If you just get handed those things, pretty simple. Here's another example of the utterly macabre. In Pima County, Arizona, right here where the secret teachings air is from, officials expect officially, officials expect officially, an explosion of migrants with the ending of Title 42. They believe that the jumps, uh, uh, that there should be a jump from 200 to 700 migrants per day coming through Pima County to 1,500 plus. So that's more than double. Now, this would absolutely overwhelm Pima County services, which are already uh, overwhelmed or close to being overwhelmed, that hand out food, hygiene, clothes, and even housing as if it were Halloween candy, while law abiding citizens struggle to pay rent or even buy the same things 
that are being handed out for free. I'm not saying not to have compassion for people. I'm not saying not to help people. Some people need help. But what is the incentive for coming here? Is it for a better life? And if that incentive is for a better life, what is the incentive for the better life? Is it to work for a better life or is it to just be handed those things and to vote for Democrats? Because that's what's happening here in Arizona. That's where most of the that's where the Democratic Party gets their votes. That's why they don't want to close the border. That's why they don't want to prosecute people. That's why they don't want to send people back because they'd lose votes. It's pretty simple. Very simple. So we have a blatant disregard here in Pima County and in Arizona as a whole for citizens, giving special treatment to people that are not citizens, largely due to their proclivity to vote a certain way. This is why they don't want to clean up the streets. This is why they don't want to put criminals in prison. This is why in places like New York, they don't want bail. They want a dangerous and dirty-looking, macabre-looking world. It is the decay of the state, or what I call the supernatural decay of the state, because the people that encourage this are soulless, psychotic, sociopathic, and therefore, since they have no compassion... They can only mimic compassion. They are non-human. That doesn't mean they're aliens. They're just non-human. And in a supernatural sense, you could call that the reptilian brain. They're possessed by reptilians or aliens or demons. But they are non-human. It is a supernatural force behind these kinds of people. Take a look at our governor here, Katie Hobbs. The woman is, I think, certifiably insane. And for all the stuff we heard about democracy, 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 the current executive officer, the governor, refuses to sign bills passed by Republicans when they help citizens because they don't want, the legislature doesn't want to allocate money for non-citizens. People support this by saying higher taxes are, are good. Like they were, they were going to end the grocery store tax here in Arizona. And the governor vetoed it. Why? Oh, well, we, you know, the Republicans passed it. We don't need this. We need, we need money to pay for things. Aren't, isn't your party for the common person? You just, you just vetoed uh, cutting taxes for people. Isn't cutting taxes a good thing? It's on the surface at the very least. And it's not like people, she or people justified it in government and said, well, there were other things in this bill that weren't, you know, that weren't, um, that weren't legitimate or weren't, you know, actually here in the state of Arizona, we have, you know, the one title bill where it ha- the bill has to be labeled based on what it says. So it's kind of hard to hide things in bills here in Arizona. That's a good law. But they, they say, well, we, you know, we need to pay these higher taxes. For what? Oh, we have things to pay for. What are the things you have to pay for? You, you, you cut services, you cut police, you cut the border security, you cut everything. What do you need to pay for? You need to pay more taxes, though. More taxes, more taxes, more taxes, more taxes. The good person constantly gets squashed. And obviously that, that good person, the symbol of that good person, it involves everybody, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your gender is or your identity is. It involves everybody, every single person. Every person, yes, I believe, I think it's an obvious thing. I think everybody, everybody has a right to water and 
some kind of food and shelter. But you don't have a right not being part of a community to vote for people that will take care of you with the money that was paid by other people who they're supposed to be taking care of and they're supposed to be serving. That doesn't make any sense. It also makes all the people that obviously come here for a better life, it makes them look like scumbags. It makes them makes everybody's life, including their life, harder. And yet you have people that are actually psychotic that will tell you everything's great, there's no homelessness, there's no drugs, there's no crime, literally denying physical reality that is in front of their face. But at the same time, things might not be as bad as we think. Things might not be as bad as is, in, is, is implied by virtually every news story. Things might not actually be that bad. I want you to think about that. Things might not be that bad. I mean, how often have you been mugged? How often have you been attacked? I mean, I've been attacked by a homeless person more than once, but how often does that happen to you? If it's happened to you, you're definitely allowed to think that, you know, it's a dangerous situation. But if you haven't had that happen to you and you just heard about it, you don't go into those areas. I mean, it's obviously something that should still be concerning for other people, but it's not something that affects you directly in your life every day. I mean, how, how bad are things really when you still have access to things that for you are necessities, but for the average person around the world are a luxury? How, 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 how bad is life? You know, and I have to think the same thing, folks. I have to think the same thing sitting here behind um, uh, a, a gate and a locked door and a garage for my car. I have to think the same thing. I have to think I've got it pretty good. I've got it really good. It's about as good as I've ever had it. Doesn't mean I'm not concerned when gas prices are high or food costs are high. Doesn't mean I'm not concerned when I'm really kind of restricted on traveling because airlines are so expensive. It's, it's, I'm not happy about those things. I probably shouldn't let them consume my life entirely. But I just, you know, to be frank with you, the, the, the reason that I do the secret teachings, the, way, the reason I've done it from the beginning, is because I have a thirst for knowledge. And when I learn something, I want to share it with other people. And this is, the, this is a great platform to do that. But I also want to share things with you that are unique. I don't want to just regurgitate things back to you. That's why I don't just read the news and, oh, let's talk about it from this talking point. No. You look around and you see maybe there's, you know, uh, politically speaking, there's just decay in the system and sabotage. And those things are true, yes. But what if it's not so physical? What if it's more supernatural in nature? And what does supernatural mean? Does it mean that aliens and demons are controlling people? Are they reptilians? Or are they just non-human in the sense that they, they lack compassion? Are they reptilian in the sense that they're dominated and controlled by their reptilian brain? Territorialism, aggression, violence. I mean, these are things that I, I think are critical. These are necessary things. Uh, we don't have to be obsessed with them, but we need to think about our issues in more ways than one. Okay, it's not, the Republicans don't have a solution. The Democrats don't have a solution. 
Okay, most talking heads, including radio, don't have solutions. They just have words. They just have rhetoric. And they just repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. Some of that rhetoric is scripted. Some of it's not. Some of our rhetoric here in The Secret Teachings, it's none of it's scripted, but some of it is rhetoric. I repeat similar forms of rhetoric all the time. They just become kind of talking points, but I don't want you to go share those talking points. I don't want you to go share that rhetoric. Don't repeat what I say. Listen to what I say and then go check it out for yourself. This is the best way I can think to do politically themed or parapolitically themed shows. Covering a few different stories, we've looked tonight at the Nature article about the uh, cultural proclivity to assume the supernatural in natural phenomena and in social phenomena, whether it's storms or it's warfare in the latter. We've looked at the, well, the crisis that is happening in Maricopa County with the drugs and disease and the filth and the murder and the, the overall danger. We've looked at the kids being exploited in Tallahassee. We've looked at uh, the bail reform laws in New York that, have, that literally support criminals. The new mayor of Chicago wanting just uh, more health professionals. That'll stop crime rather than addressing the root source of the problem. Uh, we've looked at uh, the overturning of Title 42 here in Pima County, what that, what's going to happen here in Pima County. That's local for me. Um, you know, how the, the governor, the whole Democratic Party in Arizona, it's democracy, democracy, democracy. But as soon as democracy works and they pass a bill, the governor vetoes everything because, well, she doesn't like Republicans. It's, that's not democracy. That's just authoritarianism. And then most people don't understand that the legislature can override the veto. And so you get people here, this is all local stuff for, for me in Arizona, but you get people here that are like, well, that, the, that's not the will of the people if the legislature you know, overrides the veto. Yeah, it is, Dunce. It is the will of the people. That's how government works. That's what democracy is. And you know, the, honest thing is, the honest thing for me is I really, truly, sincerely feel, I feel sorry and I feel sad and I feel depressed about people who are so ideologically corrupted and brainwashed like that because they actually believe what they say. The people that think Republicans are going to save them, Donald Trump's going to save them. I mean, you got to be a whole other level of crazy to think Joe Biden's doing a good job, but nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to fix all these problems. These problems exist, even if they're just perceptual problems. To encourage you to give more of your power to the state. If the state wants to correct these issues, we have the resources, we have the knowledge to do it. I mean, look, there is no excuse for the roads to look the way that they do in Tucson. But if they keep the roads that way, then they can continue to ask the public to vote for taxes to fix the roads. They've had a tax here in Pima County from before I lived here for years. And that tax goes to fixing the roads. And have they fixed the roads? No. I've seen them do construction on one road in the three years I've lived here. One road in the whole city I've seen. Full-scale construction. It was down on Broadway. If you look Broadway up here in Tucson. And I'm sure they've, they've you know maybe filled in a pothole here or there. But most of the roads here are, are like country roads. They're that bumpy and that potholed and 
you might as well be driving over rocks, giant rocks in the road, just terrible. But if they clean that up and fix it, then they can't say, we need taxes to fix the roads. And of course, the taxes don't go to fixing the roads. They go into those people's pockets. Right next to the cartel money. At least down here. And that's a great example, I think. Because if they solve the problems, you don't need them anymore. If they keep the problems and they keep them just maintained, just like healthcare, it's just the maintenance of health. It's not curing or treating or preventing problems. It's the maintenance of health or the maintenance of disease, rather. It's the maintenance of decay. It's the maintenance of the macabre because if they can maintain the perception and the image that things are getting bad, they can always blame it on somebody else, right? Look at all these hit pieces all over the internet, all over the news. Well, actually, uh, most of the high crime areas are in places that are conservative. Uh, uh, They're in states like uh, Texas. That's a pretty conservative. That's where all the crime is. It's in conservative states. Might being conservative, I mean, most almost every state's conservative. It's just the major cities that are liberal. So it's the policies in the major cities that cause the crimes, and some of the worst cities are in some of the big red states. So, of course, you can say the red state when it's actually the blue city. Just lie after lie after lie after lie. And I'm not a Republican for the millionth time, but the Democrats are absolutely off in some other fantasy world somewhere. And they have themselves been conditioned and conditioned others to act in a very non-human, sociopathic, soulless, supernatural way. No compassion, no concern, but constantly forcing down your throat that they do care, that they are concerned. Things only matter when it's a necessity to matter. When it's not, and then hate crimes don't exist and, you know, People aren't suffering unless it benefits a certain group of powerful people. And George Carlin said the same thing. Guy's a genius. I think, it, what was that about homelessness or something? He said, if politicians find a way to make some money cleaning up homelessness, you'd, you'd see it cleaned up real fast, real fast. But actually, it's almost kind of the opposite of that. They find money in keeping the homelessness. That's where the money is. That's where the power is in keeping people scared of guns or people afraid of going out at night or keeping people uh, in a position where they're unable to travel or unable to buy food because things are too expensive and then throw it in your face and being like, we encourage everybody from around the world to come here. We'll give you food and stuff, but not our own citizens. Screw you. And they know the average person is unaware enough and they find so much mystery and supernatural quality in government they don't know what goes on they don't know who to vote for they don't know who to talk to they don't know what to do what to file a petition or a grievance or whatever or anything so everything from protesting to free speech is exploited to eat itself like they robber us to consume itself using free speech to destroy free speech and your right to self-defense to destroy self-defense You have a right to protest to strip away your own rights that are not from government, but that are are from God, from nature, uh, from birth. And and ironically, that's precisely what the anti-federalists 
uh, and the slave owners tried to argue when Thomas Jefferson wrote the first draft of our founding document. That if you put all men are born equal, you know, if you put all men are born equal, that means everybody, including slaves, are equal. And we don't consider slaves to be equal. They're, they're, uh, they're slaves. Black and white, they're slaves, that we own them. So it's all men are created equal. Men obviously means mankind. If you don't think that, then you must hate women. You think women are in a separate category. They're not human. That's literally what it implies. But all men are created equal. So you can be created equal, but you can live in unequal conditions. Because Thomas Jefferson's first draft of the Declaration of Independence that all men are born equal. And the they weren't Democrats at the time, but the anti-federalists were like, no, born equal? No, that means slaves are equal. No, we're created equal, but we have more authority over those people because of the color of their skin, etc., which really wasn't an issue until the 1800s when Thomas Jefferson banned the importation of slaves. Uh, Jefferson was not a bad guy, folks, and uh, he did bad things, but he was not a bad guy. And then you have the John Calhoun of the 1820s, and you have the formation of the Democratic Party, and their whole platform was protect slavery under a new identity, and that was race. And that led to the Ku Klux Klan, that led to eugenics, that led to Nazism, that led to what you have today. Because Margaret Sanger was a leftist, and that's what is resulting, that's what results in all those abortions, which is a sacrament or a religion to these people. I'm a circumstantialist when it comes to abortion, but for these people, it's a sacrament. And 38% of all abortions are black babies. And another huge percentage are Hispanic babies. And you know what? The funny thing is, black women only make up about 7% of the population. That's infant side. That's, that's genocide. That's eugenics right there, right in front of your face. And they got clueless, young, white people screaming, take away my rights and kill black people. And then they call that a virtue. It's utterly macabre. It is a supernatural Non-human entity, force, soulless, evil, no compassion, psychotic, sociopathic, call it whatever you want to call it, the reptilian brain, alien, demonic, etc. Trying to influence and successfully influencing the minds of the innocent and abusing and using them and preying on them. It's utterly macabre and it's utterly evil. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for listening to the show tonight. It is, of course, Passion Week. Tomorrow night, I hope to have an Easter-themed show for you. Um, I will do my best to prepare something to that effect. Remember, tomorrow night, Friday night, the show comes on at 10.30 because of the Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis after show. www.thesecretteachings.info You can find our archive, which is free, or search the show on any radio or podcast player. The show is also free there. You can listen, you can download or stream. We make money when you listen or stream or download. So please do that. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm asking you that. Please do that for us. Help support the show. If you're an old subscriber, you can renew your subscription to the ad-free archive where you get montages, digital books, and more. And if you are a new subscriber, check out aftermath.media where you can subscribe to my show and Clyde's show as part of the premium subscription. Aftermath.media. Artie Gable at yahoo.com. 
facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and tst underscore underscore radio on twitter stay safe stay informed stay healthy and we will talk to you on the next broadcast